How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Welcome to the first episode of the Locked on Thunder podcast presented by the Norman Transcript. Go to the Norman Transcript for all your Thunder coverage and check out my blog there. That's Thunder Road, which you can find under the sports under the sports tab on the website. I'm Fred Katz. What we're talking about is the same thing we'll be discussing all week. You guessed it. It's Kevin Durant's free agency. But first, Let's get into some info before we get started. It's the first official episode of the Locked on Thunder pod. I'm going to be hosting it daily on weekdays, so that's Monday through Friday. I'm hosting by myself. It's just me. So yeah, get your comments in while you can on me asking myself questions. I know they're funny. When you get up in the mornings, though, it's going to be on your phone. It's going to be there. That's the goal every day, Monday through Friday. We're not on iTunes right now. It's the first episode, but the plan is to get there sooner rather than later. Same thing with theme music. I know there's no intro, but we're going to be getting that soon, too, so it's not quite as dry. Locked on Thunder is going to be part of a larger podcast network. We're planning on having one podcast with someone like me, so that's that's a reporter or radio personality or whatnot. Someone like that for everyone in each NBA city. So 30 teams, 30 podcasts. It's like a Josh Hartnett movie. Let's get started. The first thing I wanted to discuss was the way people are talking about Kevin Durant's free agency. You know, it's it's actually not even particular just to Durant. It's on everyone. Should. It's a word I hear all the time when we talk about NBA players who become free agents. Kevin Durant should re-sign with the Thunder. It's the right move for him. Or Mike Conley should re-sign with the Grizzlies. We hear it all the time. Should. As if we're making the decision for the athlete. And it's not just a basketball thing. It's a sports one. It's in baseball or football or hockey. Whenever we say an athlete should do something in free agency, we're making the decision for them, but we're doing it as ourselves. We're not putting ourselves in their shoes. We're projecting our thoughts, our priorities, our values in that process. Not necessarily theirs. Use words like could or maybe or phrases like if it were me or what I'd do. And I realize this may just be semantics. I'm fully aware of that. Maybe this is more a message to those who cover free agency than just the fans who actually follow it. Maybe it's just to the people who are giving out the information and not the ones who are consuming it. Because it's fun. Free agency is so much fun. It might be more fun than the regular season. It might be more fun than the postseason. The games are awesome. But so is is seeing LeBron James go from Cleveland to Miami, stay there for four years, and then bounce back to Cleveland. It's fun to see a great player re-sign with a great team so they can make another championship run with the same group. It's fun to see how rosters are compiled. It's fun to see how teams manipulate the cap. It's fun to see how GMs make smart moves or make trades so they can get other players. It's fun to see what role players go where. It's fun to see what role players congregate around what great stars and what great stars attract certain players. It's all fun. The barroom talks are fun. The water cooler ones are fun. Talking about sports anywhere near liquid, apparently, is fun. But the way we talk, the words we use, the language we pick, it's all really important. And should, it it just projects an idea that we won't necessarily know and one that we don't really have the right to tell. 
So now let's just talk about what Kevin Durant could do if it were me. The NBA has a complicated fiscal setup, so it's just a preface for those who may not know what's happening with the salary cap over the next two years. The, uh, this year, the cap's jumping a whole ton, and because of that, most of the league is going to have room to offer a max contract. Next year, it's making another historic jump on top of that. So to put it in perspective, this year's salary cap was about $70 million. By, by next year, it's going to be about $94 million. In the following summer, it could be as high as $110 million. The max contract is just a proportion of the cap. So that's why we hear people talk about the different possibilities of Durant. And one of them is him signing a one-year deal, possibly the most likely scenario of him coming back to the Thunder, signing that one-year deal, coming back to Oklahoma City, and then becoming a free agent again in 2017. You sign the one year, you become a free agent again the next year, and you sign for that larger max contract, a higher percentage of a higher cap. Keep in mind too, not everyone has the same max deal. The longer you've been in the league, the higher percentage of the cap your max is. And 10-year veterans get the biggest max. And you know what year next year is for Durant? It's number 10. So yeah, there's some risk in a, in a one-year deal. Obviously, there's risk in a one-year deal. He could get hurt. He could get hurt so badly that no one offers him the max the following summer. But that would have to be a really bad injury. You can't just consider the one-year risk either. It's economics. It's opportunity cost. If he signs for the long term and more likely he doesn't sustain an injury in the upcoming year, he's losing money too. Again, it's, it's the opportunity cost. We're talking about a difference of possibly $40 million if he waits an extra year and signs for a max in 2017. You can't blame him if, he's, if he decides to take on what we're calling a risk because sometimes the biggest risk is the one you actually don't even take. Let's get some Twitter questions and then we'll bounce. You guys sent in a bunch of these. Hmm. Okay, I can't get to everyone, but I'm going to try my best. Uh, first one is from Matt Patrick. How long after July 1st will it take for KD to make a decision? One week, two weeks, what's the norm? So usually somebody signs within two weeks. It would be pretty normal to see an unrestricted free agent signed by that July 14th date. Our free agency starts July 1st. Durant can start negotiating with, with other teams on July 1st. That's when he's taking his pitch meetings. That's when you see the meetings with these six teams. That's the Thunder, Warriors, Spurs, Celtics, Heat, and Clippers. Durant can't actually sign with anybody until July 7th. The NBA, the first six days, has basically what they call a moratorium period. That's that period when players can talk and negotiate, but they can't actually, they can come to verbal, verbal agreements, but they can't actually sign. The NBA is having independent auditors come out, and those guys are figuring out the salary cap for the upcoming season. Obviously, the verbal agreement is not necessarily written in stone, not just because it's verbal. We saw that last year, DeAndre Jordan, Richard Jefferson, both came to verbal agreements with the Mavs. They both left. Those were obviously interconnected situations. Adrian Wojnarowski of Yahoo Sports actually previously reported Kevin Durant was leaving the country on July 9th, so we should expect, a, expect some kind of decision before then. So if Durant's leaving July 9th, that means he could sign on the 7th or 8th. I don't know if the press conference would be after it before. He'd have to be coming back here at some point. Uh, because Team USA is going to be practicing in Vegas uh, in about a week after, I think, starting on July 18th, I believe, and then they do a tour, they go to Chicago, and, and then they got the Olympics in the beginning of, of August down in Brazil. So there should be something within the first nine or ten days of Durant, according, uh, according to his schedule, that seems like the most convenient thing, and, and we'll have some kind of answer on that, hopefully, within then. Next, from Alfredo Rodriguez, which team do you think has the best chance to get Durant? How would you order the list of suitors in terms of basketball fit? 
I talked about this a little bit when I went on uh, Locked On Celtics yesterday with Jay King. We kind of did a, 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 a mesh together pod of Locked On Celtics and Locked On Thunder. You can actually find that on the Audio Boom page or my Audio Boom page on Locked On Thunder or on or on Jay's on on the Locked On Locked On Celtics page. I would say that the Clippers are last. I just can't see them pulling off the cap moves in order to make it happen. They're really, really tight with the cap. They don't have a lot of room. They'd have to renounce a bunch of their free agents. They'd basically have to clear out Blake Griffin. It's more complicated just figuring out a sign-in trade of Blake Griffin for Kevin Durant, as fun as that may be with not just two stars kind of being traded for each other, but also Blake Griffin coming home to Oklahoma, which would also be a big deal. He went to OU. He's an Oklahoma City native. At the same time, he has a bonus that says if he gets traded, he gets a lot more money, which makes the salaries a little bit more complicated and matching up with the cap. Um, you know, the Clippers could, I guess, trade him into open cap space elsewhere, but that would be a risky move uh, if they preempted that. Uh, it's just, um, it, it seems a little bit too complicated and, and not necessarily something like the Clippers would do uh, unless they're necessarily more desperate than than, uh, than they appear to be. They still have won 53-plus games four or five years in a row. This is a team that's got a really good core and, and could have could have made it to the Western Conference Finals if it weren't for all those injuries uh, that they sustained in the first round with Blake and, and CP getting hurt. Uh, they were up 2-0 on Portland. Uh, next is Miami, I would say, is fifth. Uh, the timelines, like I talked about with Jay, just don't really match up with Durant and those two teams. Dwayne Wade is entering his mid-30s now. Chris Bosh may not even play. Uh, it's it's just, it, it doesn't really work. They have a tough cap situation too with Wade's a free agent and and, and I'm sure we'll come back. Uh, Hassan Whiteside is there and, and they'd probably have to let him walk if they wanted to, if uh, they wanted to sign Durant. Uh, with, with Miami, I think the play makes a little bit more sense if Durant's going to become a free agent in 2017. If he comes back, signs that one-year deal, Miami makes more sense 2017. Boston, I'd say, is fourth. I just, I don't think they have the roster in order to really compete for his services. I think he, the, the other three remaining teams just make so much more sense from a basketball perspective. Second and third, I think it's close between the Spurs and the Warriors because you want to play for Greg Popovich, but at the same time, I put San Antonio three. Uh, I just don't think they have the city to match up with San Francisco. I don't think they have the roster, honestly, to match up with the Warriors. I mean, yeah, this was a really good Spurs team, no question. 67 wins, historically great defense, obviously incredibly well coached, and, and the, the, the offense was, was, I believe, top five efficiency as well. Uh, but 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 at the same time, I mean, if you can play with Clay and Steph and Draymond, that's something you do. Um, I put the Thunder number one. Uh, not just from a financial standpoint, also from an emotional one. He can decide in 2017 what he's going to do with Russell Westbrook, who's supposed to be a free agent then as well. Uh, on, on top of that, I mean, the Thunder don't have to gut their roster in order to sign Durant. I mean, the, war, the, the, the Spurs would have to waive guys. They'd have to waive Dia. They'd have to waive Jonathan Simmons. They have to make another move on top of that. The Warriors have to do a similar thing. They have to let Harrison Barnes walk. They have to let Festus Azili walk. They have to make another move on top of that, which is probably getting rid of Bogut or getting rid of Igudala. I mean, they basically have to gut the roster and just go forward with those four guys. And like Steph, Clay, Draymond, KD is an outrageous top four. It will be the best top four in the league, but you're filling it out with a with a with a one exception guy and then a bunch of minimum contracts. And I don't know if Durant would necessarily want to do that if he doesn't absolutely have to. The Thunder have depth. One thing the Ibaka trade brought them was depth. They have real depth now, and we saw that in the postseason, and we're going to see that 
uh, next year, it seems. And that's something Durant can resign for. He can come back. It'll give him a good chance to win, all, pretty much as good of a chance to win as anywhere else uh, to a team that he's close with and a team that he's been with his entire career, and he can maximize his financial earnings. It just seems to make the most sense. But again, that's just what he could do, not necessarily what he should do. Final one from the at, from, uh, at JD Pod. Who do you think they start at the four next year, assuming KD is back? This is a fun one. Durant... Durant could start at the four. Uh, I don't think he will, though. I think he's going to play a lot more four. Lineups this past year with Durant playing the four really killed. Like, that wasn't just in the postseason. That was all year. Lineups with him playing the four, and the lineup data backs it up. He, they did really well when Kevin Durant played the four, and they went small. I think that can happen again this year, and I think we can see a larger sample size of Durant playing the four, especially as the league continues to get smaller and he doesn't necessarily have to match up with those old-school conventional bigger fours. Kevin Durant guarding another stretch four is really just a three guarding a three, which is why I think it's possible we see, you know, stars historically don't like playing a position down. It's not just Durant who doesn't love playing the four. I mean, LeBron doesn't like playing the four. He's expressed that. Melo doesn't like playing the four. He's expressed that. LaMarcus Aldridge doesn't like playing the five. He's expressed that. These are, these are not unconventional things. This is what players are normally like. But at the same time, I feel like we could be seeing a change in that because the league is getting so much progressively smaller. I mean, it's so different than it was even two or three years ago. Maybe Durant doesn't mind playing the four quite as much. At the same time, I don't think you start him at the four. I think you start Ilias over there. You let him space the floor. You let a lineup with Adams and Durant and either Robertson or Oladipo or whomever else. Just try to have those defenders cover up for... Ilyasova's defensive shortcomings, he doesn't have the best foot speed there, um, and he can get caught out of place on defense. But at the same time, you have other strong defenders there who can make up for it. Adams was great in the playoffs and looks like he's going to be a, you know, a, a possibly an all-defense caliber defender down the line. He's still only 22 years old. Uh, he can make up for a lot of a lot of those mistakes that you can see from Ilyasova. And then you play four, you play Durant at the four, you play small progressively throughout games. You play situationally. So that way Durant doesn't get beat up. So that way there's no reason to have Kevin Durant guarding LaMarcus Aldridge in a regular season game. You're just going to wear him out. 82 games is a long time. You don't need to be doing that. You can save that for the postseason. That's going to do it for today. Uh, you can send in more questions if you want. I'll be back tomorrow with another podcast and the next day and the next day. So please send in everything you need. I'll get to them when I can. You can find me on Twitter. That's at Fred Katz, F-R-E-D-K-A-T-Z. Email the show at LockedOnThunder at gmail.com. I just set up that account. So please, if you have questions or feedback or you want to advertise or you have something you want me to ask or answer on the show, just send something over there. Until next time, this is the Locked on Thunder podcast presented by the Norman Transcript. I'll be back with more tomorrow. I'll see you then. Progressive brings you Flowetry with Flow. When Flow flows, she flows in the know. Mind ruminates the rates. Shown them all, I heed the call. Seeing the rest, I choose the best. Sometimes it's ours, sometimes it's not. When the fox walks, is it called a fox trot? That's a real question. Compare Progressive Direct rates with competitors' rates. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.
Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.